You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Monday, and it is time for Mental Health Monday with Deacon is Heidi Gaiman in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It is time to check in with Deacon is Heidi Gaiman for Mental Health Monday. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. Good morning. I feel like um ready to go this morning. I'm very excited. I have a lot of initiative. How about you guys? Do you have initiative for this discussion this morning? Lots, lots. Did you like Let's my pun in sure. our in our pre-program notes? I said I was that taking was initiative awesome. to say good morning. It got me going. Yeah, yeah. I think mornings require initiative in general. And then Monday mornings require an extra dose of initiative, right? We're going to get up and we're going to go forward in whatever the day greets us with. (laughs) My Monday required lots of coffee. I don't know about you guys. (laughs) Yeah, that helps with initiative, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's our topic this month is initiative, right? And we started last week uh, going down that train of what is initiative. And so uh-huh. I would just uh, send the listener, if they haven't listened to that broadcast, that that's available in the Coffee Hour archives under Mental Health Monday. And then they can also go to HeidiGaiman.com where I have some articles and you'll see some podcasts appearing on the topic too, or complementary to the topic, if you will. So when we talk about initiative, like we talked about last week, we're really talking about a lot of leadership stuff at the end of the day. And I think it's really interesting because I think in our culture, we really keep leadership to this kind of out in front speaking and having a powerful um, presence. And I think we have these like cultural ideas of leadership that just aren't biblical. And honestly, they're not very developmental either, um, or very uh, psychologically aware uh, from what we know from research. And so I think the cool part of this discussion is it helps us reframe initiative in a really godly way that includes that sense of humility and the sense of sacrifice alongside uh, those pictures of powerful leadership. You know, I know last week, Sarah was trying to find just simple images online uh, to put with the social media graphics. And they're all like kind of ridiculous. They have this (laughs) corporate horrible. Mm-hmm. And and right. I think probably also what you didn't find was a lot of diversity, right? Like, so uh, our cultural ideas lack. I mean, you're going to see a lot of white men standing in front of people and looking powerful. And that, uh, from a Christian perspective, while might be true some of the time, also uh, is... I think secondary to this idea of of influence and having a voice. And so we want in Christianity, every person to have a voice, every person to know that Christ values uh, them enough to die for them, and then also calls them in that to uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, calls, gathers, and enlightens us to stand up for what we believe in and to be a voice for the people who feel like they have none. And so as we move forward on initiative today, we're going to talk about where that meets our mental health then. I think, as I said, all of that with the struggle with some diversity and that 
kind of overwhelming images of power and things like that, I think you can probably already begin to imagine how that impacts our mental health if we're, especially if we're not that person, you know, <laughs> if well, we're not that, the one. Yeah, sorry, that's in why the room I, with that. That's why I appreciate just just the term initiative over leadership, I, that we're looking at initiative rather than the, the broader topic of, a, of leadership, because we have such narrow views of what leadership is. And and not everyone is going to be a leader that stands up in the front of the room mm -hmm. and leads a group or um, has lots of people following them or, or, or that they're, they're providing this guidance or leadership for a whole group. It, initiative might just be something quiet, but yet still um, using the gifts that, that God has given them to serve others. Yeah, no, absolutely. And in that way, I would actually say that initiative is the broader topic mm -hmm. and leadership sits within that, you know. Yeah. Um, and again, just uh, pricking at when you look scripturally, what does it show you about leadership? And then what do you see culturally? Because I do think like you see much clearer pictures of, uh, of that broader initiative as leadership, you know, really at the end of the day, biblically. And so I think that's kind of cool uh, to dial back into the word to, to get our foundation and then to move forward with these developmental concepts. That's that in itself is going to be good for our mental health. You know, it gives us firmer grounding. Grounding is a common term in mental health where you feel uh, the stability in the midst of instability of the world. And so that's what we do. We check in the Bible and then we move forward with these psychological concepts with that understanding. So today we're going to talk about uh, especially the the inverse in Erickson's developmental model, which is uh, initiative versus guilt. So where does the guilt come from? Um, and so especially from a Christian lens, we have a better understanding of this because scripturally, we are looking for a purposeful guilt, if you will. Guilt that has movement is the way I like to refer to it for people. So we do not want guilt in our lives that sits and festers. We don't want guilt in our lives that uh, overcomes Christ's voice in our lives, that becomes larger, that becomes more that inner critic, if you will, uh, that's tearing us down. Instead, we're looking for what 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 calls godly sorrow or godly grief. And that verse says, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. And I really appreciate that Paul has this distinction. It's a really helpful verse for understanding the differences between guilt and shame. Um, and so I think uh, in Erickson's model, what he is actually not looking for, again, similar to last month, is shame. Like we don't want to feel guilty about who we are. Rather, I do think as Christians, we appreciate movement-oriented guilt that tells us what we've done wrong, that points out a moral um, irreparability that's a problem in our lives, because that will impact our mental health. If we look at ourselves in the mirror and I see this, uh, the behavior that I've done, the angry words that I said to my family, the way I've hurt someone or the way I've hurt God, and and I have nowhere to go with that. Uh, that's what we're talking about when we talk about initiative versus guilt, like that sense of there's something wrong with me. And at the end of the day, I actually think that's shame. And so, you know, 
sometimes developmental theories like don't always uh, show the way the words that we want them to show. Uh, I think we have a better understanding of that now uh, because of Brene Brown's research, which we've talked about a lot and some other researchers. And so I don't think we ever want children or I don't think we never want children or adults to experience guilt. And I'm not even sure that's what Erickson would propose. Um, but we're looking for a self-reflective guilt that doesn't fester or lead to shame, uh, that doesn't weigh us down like ankle weights. Um, have you ever known someone in your life that looks weighed down? Like that you can physically see these those struggles of life, like in their stature, if you will. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. is what we're talking about when we talk about this kind of guilt that we're trying to avoid for children. <laughs> like we, we want them to experience initiative, which this is a school age developmental stage. Although I think you can see how it will repeat itself. And as adults, we need reminders all the time that we do not have to be weighed down because of Christ Jesus. He lifts our head is what the Psalms say. And that especially applies to our mental health in this stage of initiative versus guilt, that we have a place in this world, that it's a good place in this world. And God uh, is working in that. Uh, and so we can speak up for ourselves we can speak up for other people. I like to also call it insightful guilt. Like it's a, <laughs> it's a really kind of meta experience of guilt. Like what is guilt and what is it doing inside of me and what is God using it for? Um, and so before we move on to kind of then what do we do? How do we build up that sense of initiative for healthy mental health in children and adults, stronger mental health in, ch in children and adults? Andy and Sarah, how do you at KFUO ask questions as you plan your work that allows for initiative, if you will? So what kinds of things do you guys do in your vocational work uh, as teammates at KFUO that shows that you each have initiative? What do you think are allows for initiative? Well, I think a lot of us are naturally curious, which probably helps um, because, and we work in a, in a space that is, has ever evolving technology and that, that plus uh, the curiosity allows us all to bring these ideas to the table whenever we meet. Uh, and I think that's mm -hmm. the culture that we've fostered as uh, an acceptance and an encouragement to find new ideas and to, and to think outside the box uh, and to have that initiative to research things and be like, hey, I think this is a good idea. We should do this. And this is why. Mm -hmm. uh, and that mm -hmm. that's across the board for, for several of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you've ever been in a working environment that doesn't have that, especially if you're naturally <laughs> curious. Okay. Now mm -hmm. note, you use the word curiosity and that was related to one of our other developmental stages, right? So mm -hmm. if we have built curiosity, which is the goal in the earlier developmental stage, uh, this ability to have some freedom of exploration, then of course, we're going to naturally move along to initiative. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that's really, really good to recognize that there there are cultures that allow for curiosity. Those will also likely allow for initiative and cultures that do not. Um, and so we need our leaders, ironically, to create those cultures. Uh, but we can certainly do those uh, in team cultures as well. Definitely. How about you, Andy? I can't give away all our trade secrets of how we work at KFUO. <laughs> um, but it, it, precisely what, what Sarah said, I think that 
having um, establishing and, and, and building a culture that um, that encourages curiosity, that encourages initiative as well, has been something that that we as a team have been working on, and certainly our team has changed over time as well. So, how do you keep that um, that mm-hmm. culture? going as the the team evolves and changes as personnel changes over time too um is is certainly a question that that i wrestle with and uh, as Mm -hmm. part of the team how do we keep that initiative and that curiosity alive Mm, that's yeah that is really true and i i appreciate that you wrestle with that and you you know brene brown calls it rumbling like we want to be rumbling in our corporate settings in our church settings in our home and and figuring out like what that looks like to make that culture more initiative friendly uh and like i said opening the word is a really good start and then just being aware and psychologically informed like we do here in Mental Health Monday is also really helpful. Um, And so can you consider then in that microcosm of your work at KFUO, how that impacts your mental health? I think most of the time it's the inverse that we think of. We're in this uh, work setting, vocational setting, or even a home setting that stifles curiosity or stifles initiative and uh, our mental health starts to deteriorate, right? This is why people don't want to like get up and go to work. And it's a downward spiral uh, (laughs) when that large part of your life is impacting all other areas of of your life. And so we want, uh, we want to have cultures, like you said, and environments that foster the sense that we all have something to share and that's valued here. Um, So, you know, we don't have to live in the guilt when we do something wrong then. So if Sarah presents an idea and she, you know, being (laughs) curious, that's step one, right? She goes, explores it. The initiative place is bringing it forward to your teammates and saying, hey, I had this idea or bringing it forward to your boss, having that courage and saying, hey, I had this idea. What do you think? And what if you're wrong? (laughs) What if it's a terrible (laughs) idea at the end of the day and it doesn't pan out? I have them all the time. Uh, Is there guilt and shame in that? You know, I, I hope not because God says, I sent Jesus for you. And, and I think the piece of that that we miss so often for our mental health is that that means that mistakes are welcome here. You know, Number one, having a bad idea isn't going to end the world like, you know, that that can happen if you're the creator of, say, the atomic bomb. But at the same time, (laughs) most of us are creating a little bit of radio programming here and like having a meeting over here or creating food or whatever we're doing. And so our mistakes welcome in our lives, in our homes, in our environments, because Making mistakes with grace on the receiving end uh, will only build initiative. That's a huge part of building initiative. And so in in just a minute, when we get back from the break, I want to talk about how we design spaces then. Like we use the word culture a lot. How do we design classrooms and homes and work cultures that are oriented toward this movement grief, if you, or movement guilt, if you will, uh, that will help us step forward in initiative. What, what does that look like when we are able to make mistakes and able to have big ideas uh, in our places and spaces that we move in? You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. 
I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa, host of Thy Strong Word, taking your questions as we go through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter. Let's read together with guest pastors from around the country and the church around the world, taking chapters and verses together in context, every passage fitting together in the Lord Jesus, because He is the Word of God. Let's read together. Thy Strong Word, weekday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. Underwritten by Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. When communism fell in the former Soviet Union, it was an exciting time to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people who had long been denied the faith. This is Reverend Robert Ron, founder of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. It's been 25 years since LHF began translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith for the people of Russia. With your help, LHF continues our work of introducing new believers to the Savior in nearly 90 countries. Visit lhfmissions.org to learn more. A big election is coming up on November 3rd, and it is safe and easy to vote in person. But if you're not planning to vote in person, request a ballot now. Your local election office must receive your request by October 21st. Visit GoVoteMissouri.com for details. Make your voice heard on Election Day. Paid for by the Missouri Secretary of State. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We're talking with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman today. We're talking about initiative and mental health. All right, Heidi, where do we want to pick up with uh, initiative today? Yeah, let's talk about those spaces that we move in. Um, I think part of it is uh, understanding that like some of it's internal. You know, I, as an adult especially, am working on maybe what I missed as a kid or what parts of my personality kind of got in the way of me having initiative and feeling the freedom in order to share my curiosities and step forward to have a voice. I, I think that's always part of the work is that internal work. And that's, again, where that movement oriented guilt comes in. Sometimes we're going to look at ourselves and be like, wow, maybe I need to step out more. Or <laughs> if you're Heidi, maybe I need to step back some more. And that's okay. <laughs> that's, that's a good part of the work of initiative is finding that balance of uh, our sinful selves and the things that God wants to do in us. However, part of it is external. You know, how can we make cultures that are, are helpful for initiative that leads to stronger mental health? And uh, I think especially we see this in our Lutheran school classrooms. I think we can easily apply this, uh, but in our Bible studies, we can apply it and we can apply it in our homes as well and individually. And so a few things. Number one, how do we build an environment of initiative the first thing I would say is ask more questions and also allow more time for self-reflection. On coffee hour, I am not good at this. <laughs> I am a terrible example of this, right? Because we have a limited time and I have a lot of words and we want to get them in. Um, however, 
all of our life doesn't revolve around radio time and making sure we have these 12 minute segments like fit in just right. Most of our life we want to organize with a little bit of freedom of time. And so you can see how in the school environment, this is constantly in balance, being able to fit things in, in the amount of time, but also allow space and time for self-reflection. It really stood out to me that the kids, my kids and I are doing our own at-home Sunday school this year. Uh, and we're working through the book of Galatians. Uh, it, my friend, Katie Kaplan has a study journal uh, uh, called uh, Freedom. No, I can't remember. I'm not going to say, but it's about Galatians and you can find some links to it on my Instagram. But she, we just sit and ask a question like, why do you think God came for freedom? Like what, what do you think is true about that? And why do you think he would have done that? And they don't answer. And in our home, I feel like I work really hard to build this space of self-reflection and being able to say things that are wrong. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I wanted so bad at the, like two second mark to like fill in the blank for them <laughs> and then at the five second mark. <laughs> and then, and I'm, I'm counting to 15 and they're still not talking. And I finally step back and ask the question, like, what's up? Like, why aren't you guys answering the question? Um, and it turned into a half an hour discussion about how they were so used to in uh, scripture studies in school, uh, being told that there was a right or wrong answer, that they just felt really uncomfortable with something they knew did not have a right or wrong answer. And it's funny because that's my favorite space. Like, give me all the spaces that's kind of gray and there's uh, several answers for it. Uh, but mm. I think we have to ask ourselves, you know, do we have spaces for both those things in the kids' lives, in our classrooms, and in our homes? Um, so just ask more questions and allow that time for self-reflection. Allow spaces where things feel really stable because they have fill in the blanks and you can check the boxes, but also allow spaces where they don't have to do that. That's going to build some stronger uh, initiative and less, less of that sense of non-movement oriented guilt in children. Um, and then I think uh, learning through modeling is a really powerful thing when we talk about initiative. And so uh, that means we need to have opportunities to model things, right? So even in our own conversations with our kids, you know, what are we saying about initiative as we experience it? Uh, what are we doing that is a little bit leadership oriented uh, and and how can we encourage that for them as well? Uh, again, kids, they are a little bit terrified at all times that they're going to do it wrong. <laughs> I really think that's true. And I've seen that over and over again in healthy families and unhealthy families. I really think it's part of that uh, Genesis 3 uh, curse of the work of the ground for kids is like trying to learn things and always feeling like you don't quite get it or that you're not right. Um, and so giving them gentle spaces to land, you know, modeling does that a lot because it's not real directive. Instead, it's really a beautiful part of the process where uh, kids can, can feel like they can be wrong, they can be right, but they have the freedom to be loved no matter what that looks like. Um, so, and then this one's especially for uh, Sarah maybe is we want to value introversion just as much as we value extroversion. Yes. Uh, I think shy and quiet is a skill set. <laughs> let's, let's go there, right? Yes. Um, I, 
I don't think I even valued the introverted parts of myself because I only got feedback for the extroverted parts as a kid. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. My parents obviously loved all of me, but when I went out into the world, when I went to school or when I went to uh, a party or whatever, uh, extroversion is rewarded in our culture. And so, you know, how do we allow space for introversion and what does leadership with introversion look like? What skills come alongside those things Uh, that will build mental health that is stronger because we don't have guilt about who we are then, which at the end of the day is shame. So think back to when you were a kid. I'm going to skip to our question for a second because I've just been talking, talking, talking. <laughs> um, but think of a time you needed to learn a new skill. Um, and and what did that look like in the classroom or in your family or at church? Um, what did the process of learning look like sometimes? You know, what, what kind of support did you get? Oh, the example I have is not from when I was a kid, but maybe it applies still oh, because it's no, about do bikes. It. Yeah. <laughs> but like learning a new skill to, uh, I mean, just learning how to ride a bike. That's a very uh, community based thing. You have to have someone show you how to do it. You have to have, you know, your, maybe your, my older brothers or my parents who are teaching me how to do that. The specific example I was thinking of is for a cyclocross racing, there's very specific skills of how you get on and off your bike mm-hmm. so you don't crash. Uh, and that, mm-hmm. that skill is generally learned in community, at least before COVID, uh, because it's easier to have people watch you and be like, hey, this is a skill you're doing wrong and this is how you can fix it. Uh, and it's a very accepting community of, of uh, you're going to get this. You just have to work at it a little bit more, but building each other up in that way uh, is is mm-hmm. very very helpful. Oh, I like that. So you have both modeling there and also the space to make mistakes. And so yes. know that before we wrap up, I just want to point out that modeling is exactly what you said too, is someone showing you, but then also passing that on and saying like, oh, you try it now. You know, modeling isn't me doing all the cool stuff. Modeling is, hey, it's your turn now. I just showed you. Mm-hmm. Let's try that together. And and having that community base, that connection is a really powerful thing for a mental health and knowing we have a place to land at the end of the day, which is a huge part of initiative. Awesome. So next week, we'll talk about building that a little bit more every day. Yeah. Thanks so much, Heidi. Thanks. I'll see you next week. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.